in-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the ninth edition of the Daily Miffian Grizzlies podcast, where the NBA's February 7th trade deadline is a couple weeks away, and the Grizzlies have let the world know that Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol are now available. I'm Chris Harrington, and I spent last night poring over NBA roster, rosters and payroll sheets to get a sense of the potential landing spots for each player, what the trade landscape could look like, and I'm joined today by someone who did much the same, ESPN's Kevin Pelton, who put up a story for ESPN last night on potential Conley Gasol destinations, and we're going to compare notes. How's it going, Kevin? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you, I've had you on before in previous incarnations. This is your first appearance on the Daily Miffian podcast, but you were previously on the Pick and Podcast at the Commercial Pill. And we, our interactions even date back to the old Memphis Flyer days for me. I think the, the Seattle Sonics days for you. Yep. Yep. Okay, so let's go over some. I'm just going to go through some of the teams. We have a lot of overlap in, the, in what we did. I have a few teams that you didn't mention that I want to ask you about. But let me start with the teams we both sort of had. And we both, with Mike Conley and you with Marcus All, too, sort of led with Dallas. And my, to me, the question with Dallas is are they willing to buy now and take on money? Because I had, I had sort of made the point of taking the Lakers and Clippers off the board because I just assume, given their ambitions, that they're not going to settle for sort of second-tier players now and Gasol and Conley. You did mention the Clippers with Gasol. So do you think there's any chance the Clippers take on people now? And then I will, then we'll get to Dallas. So I think the only way that they would consider it is if Gasol told them that, you know, I'm, I agree to decline the player optional guide in the free agency next summer, which I, I don't know that there would be much incentive for him to do. But in that right. case, you know, if, you, if he was strictly a rental, then the Clippers would make a lot of sense. But otherwise, I, I definitely agree with you about their aspirations being higher. I mean, wouldn't that kind of scenario, like him agreeing to opt out, bring the Lakers potentially into the mix? Yeah, it would. I mean, let's see. Can they cobble together enough expiring salary that got Caldwell Pope, of course, would be the centerpiece of something? I guess right. like Caldwell Pope and Rondo. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know, I didn't do them because I just didn't think they were. I didn't think. I don't. I still don't think that's a likely scenario. But I have to think. Sorry, with the Caldwell Pope deal, that you could put something together. Um, and I see. I see Gasol as a potential backup plan for them this summer. But I. I don't see that. I mean, we're sort of on a far-fetched tangent here, but I don't see Gasol agreeing to, to to take an opt-out to facilitate one of these trades when I don't think he's happy about being on the trade market to begin with. Um, right, and yeah, you know, he, he, with the opt-out, he does have the ability, to, if he decides he wants to leave, like he can pick his destination. I'm sure he'd rather do that than, than have the Grizzlies pick it. So in terms of Dallas, I, I was on the fence about whether Dallas would be in that Laker-Clippers pile of they're going to wait till this summer or whether they would strike now. I think if they wanted to strike now, I mean, to me, they're, they're the easiest trade to make for Mike Conley. Um, and it potentially could be a Gasol destination, too. One of the few teams where you could, you know, theoretically, you could think about doing both together. What do you think the odds are that Dallas will want to buy now versus sort of keep, keep a hold of their free agent dreams? To me, I think free agency is a little bit less of a concern with the Mavericks than just what are we going to be as a team? Like, do we want 
a point guard, you know, a lead ball handling point guard next to Luka Doncic, or do we want to, you know, effectively make him our primary point guard? And obviously, you know, Rick Carlisle has liked to use multiple ball handlers, so I don't think that that completely rules things out, but it's different when you're talking about spending 30 plus million a year. And then I think the other question with Dallas is one of timeline. I mean, Luka Doncic is your, he's your team now. He's, he's your whole team and he's 19 years old, about to turn 20. You know, do you want to bring in guys in their thirties and really try to accelerate the timeline? Or do you want to try to find younger players who are, you know, more complimentary and peak at a similar time to Doncic? So I think those are the, the two questions I see really being needed to resolve uh, for the Mavericks. I mean, I feel like Conley would be a great fit with Doncic here now and in the next couple of years. I, I think, I think Conley is good enough off the ball and thrives enough in that way that he, I mean, I think he would be happy to yield to Lucas, a primary ball handler a lot and still take off the pressure when, when need be. I mean, I think that actually that would be a great fit. It would have been a great fit if the Grizzlies had gotten Luca in the draft, I think. Um, and to me, if you're, yeah. da- if you're Dallas, you know, Conley's got two more years after this one. So he's that big 30 something millions coming off the books you know, when Luca is still in that rookie deal, which gives you a shot to make a major free agent push right on the eve of, of extending Luca. So I think the timing for, for a team that seems to not want to be bad ever, like I think the timing is actually works for them, right? Cause they can be competitive these first couple years of Luca and still, and still be positioned for a big free agent strike right before they have to extend Luca. I think that makes sense for Dallas. Yeah. Especially if they think that, Luke is going to become a more attractive kind of, you know, uh, lure for free agents over time that, you know, maybe your best time to go out into free agency is in a couple of years rather than trying to do it right away. I mean, I guess the other question about that deal is do we think the Grizzlies would have interest in Dennis Smith as a point guard of the future? I don't know how they feel about him specifically, but I'm sort of of the opinion that whatever draft assets you're going to get back in a Gasol or Conley deal are not going to be that great. I, I think they're going to, if you get first round picks, they're almost certainly going to be highly likely to be late first round picks. So the ideal, the idea of getting a young player who has demonstrated a level of NBA productivity that is under contract going forward and that has a ceiling to reach, I think to me that's more attractive than the kind of draft assets you, assets you get back. And as Mike Conley himself can attest, sometimes it takes point guards a few years to to come around. It took Mike Conley like four years to come around. I would. I mean, I'm not sold on Dennis Smith Jr. by any means, but I think he would be a pretty good gamble to take if you're the Grizzlies and you're trying to find high upside young talent to pair with Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I would think that, that that if you're speculating, like that's the kind of player, that's the kind of player I would want to be speculating on, I think. I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I wrote about this when there were first reports that uh, Dallas was, you know, going to trade Smith imminently that, I didn't necessarily see the hurry for them to make a decision on him in terms of his ability to play with Doncic and that, you know, unless there was really something that they knew about his work ethic, him in the locker room, that sort of thing that the rest of us didn't, that, you know, I look at him as someone who is more or less on the path you would expect for him when he was in the draft where, you know, I I thought he was one of the five best prospects. And I think part of what happened besides for, Obviously, the Lucas situation is just that, you know, some of the other guys from that draft, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, who was taken behind him, like they went so far ahead of what you would have expected that all of a sudden Mitchell no longer seemed as exciting. But you know, if you just compare him to where you thought he was going to be at this point, I, I, I think, you know, he's on target. Yeah, I mean, Mike Conley and a throw-in role player of Dallas's choice, Armory Gaspi or Shelvin Mack or whoever, 
for Wes Matthews expiring, Dennis Smith Jr., and I have Dwight Powell, who's got 10 million player option next season. Um, like that works easily. Um, you, you mentioned you could do it with a, you know, in a DeAndre Jordan, which, you know, with instead of Wes Matthews, um, which gets closer to the money without Powell involved, but then you leave Dallas without a center. Um, but then you, you bring up the Marcus All thing. I mean, what, what, you, so do you think Mark, you see, I get the sense you think, A, there's not a great destination for Marcus All, but B, Dallas may be about as good of one as there is? Yeah. You know, I think that. It, it's the same thing of, you know, do we want to uh, bring in Mark or, or try to look for a free agent at that position next year and, and the timeline with him? But I, I'm i pretty skeptical. I mean, Washington we can get to. That's the one team that I didn't go into in detail. But, like, if they were really interested and willing to move, like, I guess Otto Porter, it would probably have to be to make the money work. But, or you know, you're going to have to give a lot of draft picks if it's a deal built around Jan Mahimi and that other right. contract. That's the uh, the other one where I could see like a lot of motivation to get Gasol, but he's a tough fit right now because so many teams are set at center. Would you do Gasol Porter from e- from either standpoint? <sighs> That's a tough one. I'm not, I'm not sure what I, what to think of that. If I mean, a couple other teams you bring up, and I, I brought them up too. I mean, there there are easy deals you could make with Detroit, and Miami, Gasol Drummond, Gasol Whiteside. If the Grizzlies are looking to rebuild, you know, around or with Jaron Jackson Jr. Are either of those deals for the Grizzlies, let's say they were straight up, better to make than just going into the summer and potentially Gasol walking and just open up, you know, clearing that money? Would you rather have those players or, or just clear the money? I'd rather clear the money at this point. I mean, I, I'm not a big believer. Uh, I've written a fair bit about how easy it is to find cheap quality production at center in the NBA in 2019. So, you know, I think if you're going to spend – upwards of $20 million a year on a center. It has to be someone that you know is, is really good and is going to be the anchor of a winning team. And we just haven't seen that with either Drummond or Whiteside so far. All right, let me get into some of the more some of the other Conley teams we both mentioned, and then I want to get into some teams that I had that, that you didn't mention and see see if you can shoot them down for me. Um, you know, we mentioned Detroit with, with Marcus All the Drummond thing. Detroit's also, I think, an obvious team to talk about in terms of Mike Conley. Um, you know, Mike Conley, that was a big upgrade from Reggie Jackson to Mike Conley. I think Mike Conley would be a great fit with Blake Griffin for a team that, you know, is locked into trying to win this season and the next couple of years with that big Griffin deal. I think Conley's perfect for Detroit. I would assume Detroit would be very interested in that. Is there a deal there that works for the Grizzlies, though? You got to pay Reggie Jackson next season unless you trade him. But you got to bring back the Reggie Jackson contract. You got to add another contract to it to get, you know, close enough for the numbers to work. And then you have to add, for the Grizzlies, you have to add enticement because I don't think Reggie Jackson and whatever contracts with him is an enticement at all. And so, to me, Detroit's draft assets and especially the young players on the roster, I don't know how you get to a deal that it's really enticing for the Grizzlies there. Agreed. That's the same conclusion I came to. Is It's so much to, you know, so many bad contracts to pick on that you're looking at a bunch of draft picks to make that up, and, and I'm not sure that ends up making sense for either team. So so Indiana sort of flips the other way to me. I, I did a ra- I did radio every day here in Memphis, and I was sort of asked about – because I'd written about the, the, the Palgasol the trade the Grizzlies made 10 years ago as sort of a rebuild trade, and the idea that you know that trade got lambasted at the time, but it sort of checked all the boxes you want in a rebuild trade. You got immediate cap savings. You got a big expiring contract check. You got two first round draft picks in the future. Not great ones, but two first round picks. You got draft assets check. And you got Javaris Crittenden, who was a disaster, but they didn't know that at the time, was a rookie 
rookie first round pick. You got the rights to Marcus All. So you got young players. Check. So you check all three of those boxes, right? And so to me, that's what you're trying to do in a rebuilding trade. But if you start with the contracts you have to take back to make a deal work, to me, those contracts sort of dictate the rest of the negotiation, right? If you're taking back deals you don't want, like in this Detroit scenario, that puts puts more emphasis on the draft assets or young player assets. But Indiana, any deal you would do with Indiana, you're bringing back expirings, right? Because that's basically all they got to deal and if Indiana is sending you expiring contracts and taking on close to seventy million dollars of Mike Conley in the next two years, how much you know? How much are they willing to add in terms of young players or picks with that, right? And so I think Conley's a great fit with Indiana, but if you're bringing back, say, Darren Collison and Tyreek Evans to expiring contracts, how much added value is Indiana really going to give you on top of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably talking about a first-round pick and that kind of deal, right. so. Uh, you're probably the other not... aspect of it is of it is from Indiana's standpoint is you know those are all guys who are part of the rotation right. and you know maybe if they think that Aaron Holiday can step up and play backup point guard you know I know uh, my colleague Brian Windhorst has uh, written and talked about the possibility of Pacers trade one of their veteran point guards leading up to the deadline even though you know they are. Uh, hypothetically a buyer out there than a seller just because they want to get holiday minutes. So that, that might make sense. But then you also take Evan to, well, he has not uh, been as good as they hoped or expected this season is, you know, the top reserve wing. Uh, suddenly you're, you're sacrificing a lot of depth to make this trade. And if, you know, it, it doesn't help you win now uh, because of that, then, then the appeal for the pace is a lot more limited. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and you know, in terms of future assets, you're not going to get DeMontis Savonis in that deal. So you're talking about some highly protected future first-round pick. You know, if you're Grizzlies, do you want T.J. Leaf for, you know, one of these secondary young players? Mm-hmm. But for the Pacers, like you would, you have Mike Conley under contract for two more years. And so you're locking in Mike Conley, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, and then if you re-sign Thaddeus Young, like that's to lock in that core in Indiana for the next, you know, the rest of this season and two more years after that, it's a pretty – solid you know you're not going to be a big free agent destination I don't think and so I mean to me there's some appeal I mean you're right you're, I agree with you you hurt your depth and your rotation the rest of this season but you're adding value I think for the next two years to really solidify yourself as a team get compete for you know home court advantage in the east for two more years after this if you if you do that deal yeah I think, which is why they're they're on the list and prominently on the list I definitely think it's something they consider but it'd be a lot easier for them to make this deal I think if if they didn't quite have to forfeit so much in okay, terms so, of this year's rotation. Okay, I'll go quick from from a few of these other um, Conley teams that you mentioned. Phoenix, I think there's an easy deal to be made, but is Phoenix really going to take on 60-something million of a 31-year-old point guard uh, over the next two years? Are they that desperate right now to for their team to make sense to do that, you think? Probably not. And then the other complication is that Phoenix, so much of their current or, you know, I guess their expiring payroll, so to speak, is tied up in guys that they've already cut. Like if they had held on to Trevor Rizzo or Austin Rivers and they got back in that deal, it'd be a lot easier for them to make this kind of a trade. But, you know, right now, all you have pretty much in terms of big contracts is Ryan Anderson, who does have the uh, most of his salary guaranteed for next year, which is unpalatable for the Grizzlies. Oh, is it? I thought it was mostly non-guaranteed. I missed that. So it's mostly guaranteed for next season. My my recollection is that uh, you know I can pull this up, but he agreed to like the same amount that Brian, Brandon Knight had guaranteed okay. 
basically. So they were, didn't have additional guarantees, but that's still, I think, $15.6 million. Orlando, somewhat similar. They're sort of teetering between the lottery and the playoffs right now. It seems to me like they're starting to drift more towards the lottery. They've needed a point guard forever, but they've invested in you know these young players and Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. I think there, you could definitely make a deal with Orlando, and it would help them. But are they, again, is that a team that wants to add Mike Conley now, or is that a team that is going to start pivoting towards the future very soon? I, I, it seems to me like the, the the direction's up in the air with Orlando. Agreed there. And then also, you know, I think that's the most interesting possible destination. I like the idea of building a Conley-Aaron Gordon trade. Like From Memphis's standpoint, that would maybe be uh, the most interesting return for me, even though you know Conley's under contract, but it's a very reasonable one that descends over the next four years. And him and Jaron Jackson together in the front court, I like that combination. But yeah, I think that probably holds more appeal on Memphis's side than Orlando's. So Milwaukee, I think Conley's a great fit in Milwaukee. They're trying to win now, but is he enough of an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe to mess with something that's working? Yes, and you know then the other aspect of it is. You know how you make that trade work. Uh, George Hill, I guess, would be uh, expendable the day of the deadline. He could be aggregated with Bledsoe. Uh, but again, now you're trading. You know your top two point guard, someone you just went to go went went out to go pick up from Cleveland uh, to make this deal. So you got to be really certain that Conley is going to be an upgrade. And then the other aspect of it is, you know, do you want to mess with this? Is this the best? team in the league so far this season do you really want to change things up mid-season you got to be very skeptical I think of how Bledsoe is going to perform in the playoffs to to want to make that kind of move right now well and from the Grizzlies perspective I don't think Bledsoe is necessarily what they're wanting to get out of the deals they're doing and they could obviously reroute him for other future assets yep but but for Milwaukee even if you see that as an upgrade it's not so much of an upgrade you're willing to add a lot of extra value to it so you're not getting Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. if you're the Grizzlies. You're probably not getting DJ Wilson. Um, you're not getting much in the way of draft assets, I don't think. I think Milwaukee owes picks. Um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo or something. I, I, I just, you know, I'm skeptical on that one. So let, let yeah, me You add- have to find, I think, one of the other teams in this list that didn't necessarily want that big contract but wanted a point guard. Right. And if they give you a first-round pick for Bledsoe, then maybe you know you get the cap relief and the first round pick, and you can make it work. But it is tricky. All right, so let me ask you about a few teams you did not mention, um, and and we'll get you get your thoughts on that. So I'll start with Mike Conley. Um, Philadelphia would Philadelphia be interested in Mike Conley? It's an interesting question. I mean, they've been you know pretty committed to Simmons at point guard. Uh, I I do think you know they. Well, there may be some interest in moving him off there. I don't know if I want an undersized player at that position. Like right. one of the nice things that they've been able to do is, you know, Reddick is basically the point guard size guy right now. He's not necessarily going to be part of the future for years and years, but he's there now. And then the other question is how much salary you're committing if you if you do plan to re-sign Jimmy Butler for the max. You've already maxed out Embiid. You'd have Conley for a couple of years, and then Simmons' extension kicking in you know, before Conley would be up on his contract. So that's like 120 million between those four guys right. in that scenario in the, the 2021 season. So that that's also, I think, what might be an issue with Billy. All right. I'm going to give you good, I'm going to give you high marks for shooting that one down. What about, <laughs> what about San Antonio? Here's so San Antonio, you're, you're not going to win a title, but they just seems like they just want to be good. And, 
they've got DeMar DeRozan two more years, Aldridge two more years. I think one of those is some kind of option, but um, the Conley contract sort of matches up with the links of the DeRozan and Aldridge contracts, which maybe if you want to just be good with Greg Popovich for another couple years, the contracts match up. I think he matches up on the floor. Why wouldn't you want to add Mike Conley with to DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge? I think a lot of it depends on, you know, DeJounte Murray and how confident they are he's going to come back full strength from the uh, ACL injury. Because, you know, before that, by all accounts, they were really high on his potential to have a breakthrough season. Uh, already one of the better defenders in the league at point guard. And, you know, if he could just become a, a decent, if not even not even good, he just has to be a decent outside shooter, then, you know, he can be a pretty good starter at that position. And I, I think they're committed enough to him that I, I actually see them as a more likely Mark destination than a, a Conley destination. Although, you know, the the other aspect of it that we haven't gotten into is what kind of contracts you're taking back in that scenario. They pretty much have to involve how, I think. So I, the, I think the a con- idea of another Mark for Powell trade is interesting. Yes, no, no. You you come come full circle and have another Gasol Brothers trade. I think a Conley trade to me is Powell's deal, which I believe is non guaranteed next year. Patty Mills, who maybe if you're the Grizzlies, you're trying to reroute somewhere else. That gets you there money wise, and then value wise, mm-hmm. you want a young guard. In, in I think descending order: Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker would not be that interesting to me, but you know you're negotiating among those three players. You you definitely would want to get one of them. And if it's Lonnie Walker, I think you want a first-round pick with it, too. But I could see, like, Powell, Patty Mills, Derek White. Like, is that something for Conley? Yeah, I just don't think San Antonio would do that. I think they like White, and they really like DeJounte Murray. So I, I think that that. All right. We're, we're sort of done with my Conley teams that I actually think make sense. But I have a few more sort of, you know, on, on the outskirts. Utah. Would Utah do something? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested that you didn't put them in the top tier because they're the team that I heard the most from people about, you know, hey, why weren't they included? And that's partially because uh, due to my my frequent appearances on the Locked On NBA podcast, I probably have, you know, more more Utah followers than just about any other team. But I think it also, you know, I probably dismissed it too quickly. I mean, they, they financially can put together a, easily put together a deal of all expiring contracts and, you know, give the Grizzlies the option of whether they'd like to be having interest in re-signing Ricky Rubio, assuming that he's part of the deal, and it would be a big upgrade. I mean, I think, you know, it's again a team, a question of your best players are Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Do you want to bring a player on the back half of his career in to go with those guys? Well, I, 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 I definitely, I think they were worth mentioning. It was probably a mistake on my part not to include them. From Utah's perspective, in addition to the age and the contract size, does a Conley Mitchell backcourt work defensively? Right, Conley is not what he used to be defensively. That's pretty small. Yeah, I think he'd probably be okay. Yeah, I mean Mitchell that plays bigger than his size. I don't think that would be a major concern for them. So, I mean, you're talking about you know the basis of a deal being say Conley for Rubio favors and some kind of heavily protected future pick, right? Like, would Utah do something like that? If you're the Grizzlies, I, I don't know. You know, Derek Favors is, I believe, non-guaranteed next season. I think it's like 15, 16 million. Yes, yep. I don't, I think it's possible if you do that, you know, if you're the Grizzlies, you 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 guarantee it and you have him on your team next year for that amount, you know, A, to, to add a veteran big with Jaron Jackson and also have him as a trade chip, you know, a year from now at the trade deadline. I, I, I could see a maybe there, I guess. Maybe, I think maybe I should have had it higher. Yeah. I think maybe we both missed the boat on Utah. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting is that with both favors and Rubio, I mean, they're not, you know, pure expiring contracts in the sense of some of the, the teams we've discussed where, you know, there's 
there's no value to them as players at all anymore. They're just, you know, getting money off the books. Those guys are both useful players, so they could be part of Memphis's future, and you, and you don't have to make a decision on that until this summer. All right, two more on Conley, and then I got a couple on Gasol. Um, I assume Denver is not going to mess with what they got to take on that much money in Mike Conley. In theory, some kind of Gary Harris, Mason Plumley, Mike Conley deal. If you like, you want a, a real point guard who's got playoff experience, but I assume they they wouldn't mess with that. I am in the same position. And they also have, you know, this is a team that I don't think is going to pay the luxury tax. They've been really low revenue in in recent seasons. So already, you know, I think they're probably going to have to turn down the, the team option on Paul Millsap and either try to re-sign him at a lower price or, or find a replacement. So, you know, bringing in Conley and his salary, I don't think, I don't think fits with that. And then my last one on Conley. Um, I've seen on Twitter people talking about New Orleans ideas, that would get them Conley to pair with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, and you could make that work on a trade machine. I assume in in real life that I just can't see New Orleans doing that, right? I they I mean they are pretty desperate. They'd have to be really desperate because you're thinking there's got to be multiple first round picks and you know relatively lightly protected because of the fact that again you're going to take back some bad salary. I think uh, almost inevitably to get there to to match Conley's salary. Uh, you also had Miami in the column, right? Yeah, I had Miami. I had Miami as a lower level possibility for Gasol and for um, Conley. Maybe not Gasol this time around. I, I knocked them off the list initially, but I did have I did have Miami on the Conley list. I just don't think there's value for the Grizzlies in in, in those Miami deals. Exactly, and that's the reason I didn't do it. Is that there's there's really no expiring salary there. I mean, if they're if they're very gung ho about Kelly Olynyk's value and you know willing to take on. Presumably, uh, you know, Dragic picks up his player option at this point, given the injury that he's coming off of. I mean, maybe that could make some sense, but that that was the reason I didn't include them. All right, let me give you three on Gasol. As I'm trying to find a Gasol deal, I'm going to work my way up, bottom up on my three. So I started to talk myself into Sacramento because they don't have their first round pick next season. They're in a playoff race, and so they want to win now. Um, I think they could get a deal. I think Gasol would upgrade them um, at center. I think they could get a deal done without moving any of their core young assets. I mean, they have they have cap space, so the, the, the trade the, the contracts don't have to equal out that much. They have expiring contracts. You know, Kustakufus, um, Zach Randolph, Amon Schumpert, and they have secondary young assets like you get Willie Cauley Stein back, maybe Harry Giles, maybe you know they have, they have draft picks, tons of second round picks. I think there's a deal to be made there, but then I look at it and I say, they're good playing fast, and you can't play fast with Marcus Hall. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thought process here. I, I'm not sure, you know, how willing they'd be, they would be to uh, give up on really Collie Stein. They've liked him for a long time, and, you know, now he's finally uh, kind of producing the kind of results I think that they expected. So it'd be it'd be tough to move him or even to uh, bury him in the rotation behind Gasol. But I, I think that's the number one issue is, you know, for years the Grizzlies have re- resisted any efforts by coaches, including the coach of the Kings, to uh, get them to play any faster. And uh, now, you know, Dave Yeager is playing the supercharged style in Memphis or in Sacramento rather. And uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to want to wait around for Gasol to get off the court. The 24 second shot clock is Marcus Gasol's canvas and, and the man needs to paint. Like he, <laughs> he, he's got to search for the perfect pass until, until he can't search anymore. Pretty much. Um, Toronto to me seems like the obvious spot. If they were interested, 
I assume what they're doing is working so well with the smaller front courts and peppering in Valanciunas, you know, when he's been healthy, it's a bigger center option. They probably don't want to mess with what they have. Probably so. I hadn't really thought about that one much. So, you know, it'd have to be Valanciunas and maybe, you know, they'd probably try to force CJ Miles or Norman Powell in that deal. Yeah, I, I think you have to take Miles. You, 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 I think you say no to Powell because of his contract size. You have to take Miles to make it work. And so Valanciunas, Miles, and say DeLon Wright. Um, that that works for, say, Gasol and Shelvin Mack, right? So that works financially. Um, Valanciunas as a player option, I think if you're the Grizzlies, you'd be happy probably for him to take it and have him next year. If he doesn't, maybe you try to re-sign him because I think they would like to have a big center in the mix with Jaron Jackson Jr., at least in the short term. You know, DeLon Wright, you have his, you have his, um, you know, you have his um, um, qualifying offer so you can make him a restricted free agent. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of value there, but it seems like it's a, it's a deal that could work if Toronto thought that would, you know, add enough for them, as, you know, in terms of trying to make a title run this season. I I mean, I guess I wouldn't be completely stunned if it happens just because, you know, they do have a lot of chips already in for this year, but it, it would surprise me because, you know, Jonas, they've already gone through this process with him of, you know, you're going to come off the bench, uh, maybe not play very much depending on the matchups and, and he's uh, he's come around to that. That's a that's a much harder sell with Marcus Gasol, and I don't think you can commit to playing him. You know, thirty five minutes a night in the yeah. playoffs. Marcus Gasol sitting fourth quarters in the playoffs would would be would be would be rough. I think. All right, my yeah. last one. This is my favorite Marcus Gasol fake trade destination that you that no one has mentioned. You haven't mentioned it. No one else has mentioned it. What about the Charlotte Hornets? I thought about them a little bit. Yeah, if Cody Zeller were out longer, I would probably have given it more weight. Sounds like he'll probably be back around the trade deadline. Uh, so, so that trade would have to be. It would you, definitely have to. Not, you're you're, not gonna, you're probably taking back Biombo. Probably taking back Biombo. Yeah, and if you're taking back Biombo, you yeah, need Charlotte's to get, gonna, go ahead. Charlotte's going to have to throw in a pretty lightly protected pick to make that happen. Uh, Malik Monk, I think. And so I think you get Malik Monk and a first-round pick. You take back Biombo's contract, and that's your starting point. If you're the Grizzlies, you'd love to get Miles Bridges. You're probably not doing that. Yeah, and, and Monk, I think, is definitely very available. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty out on Malik Monk as a prospect at this point. It seems like he's not going to be anything more than a volume scorer in the league. Probably not, but, you know, he's still young. He's under contract. He's actually from this area. He's from northern Arkansas. Um Guards who can score is sort of a novelty for Memphis. We the Grizzlies haven't had those in the last decade, um, and, and I think for Charlotte, like if you you're getting forty points a game out of your backcourt with you know Kimba Walker and Jeremy Lamb, like Gasol doesn't have to be your primary scorer. He can sort of anchor your defense and pass, be a secondary scorer. You're trying to make the playoffs this year. I think he would help them make the playoffs. I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it could make sense, and that you wouldn't add that much payroll for next season. Although any addition is a little bit of an issue as they, you know, navigate the luxury tax, assuming they can resign Kemba Walker. But you know, maybe if they if they think there's any question at this point that Kemba might not resign if they don't make the playoffs, then then uh, I, I can see that as a possibility. All right, you think something's going to happen? I sort of feel like the big rollout yesterday with the Woj bomb and the the acknowledging, you know, off the record, you know, on background, this is happening, um, sort of raises the stakes on a on a deal for one or both getting done before the deadline. Yeah, that was a, a question that we were kicking around right after this. Is 
you know, is this a case of the Grizzlies were already listening to offers and weren't liking what they're hearing? So, you know, let's let's publicly put this out there and try to put some more, you know, try to get some more teams involved, or uh, you know, whether it really was a, a total change of heart after the, the debacle of the MLK game and the game in the uh, the second half there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're what they're thinking is over the next few weeks here. All right, Kevin. I appreciate you uh, joining us. I appreciate you entertaining my fake trades, um, as always. Um, uh, Kevin Pelton, you can find his work on ESPN.com. You can find him on Twitter at at KPelton. And for Kevin, I'm Chris Harrington. This has been the Daily Mythian Grizzlies podcast. Thanks to the OAM Network and Gil Worth. Thanks to Natalie Chandler on the ones and twos. You can subscribe to the site at DailyMythian.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Daily Mythian. And you can subscribe to this podcast and others wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the rest. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, the Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.